Are you ready to become a VIP? Do you have a cell phone that you can text on? Then consider this an exclusive invitation. As a VIP, you will receive special secret offers via text. These items are usually free and they are always must-have craft supplies from beloved brands. Send us a text and become a VIP at scrapbook.com. Welcome to the Life Handmade Podcast with Scrapbook.com. This is the show for paper crafters, and I'm your host today, Stephanie Foster. Today, we are joined by Carissa Wiley. You may know Carissa as a paper crafter and card maker who has taught different classes on Scrapbook.com, but she is also a wife, a mother of three, and a registered nurse. Today, we're going to be talking all about ink blending, and she has some fabulous tips to share with us. So whether you're new to ink blending or an old pro, I think you're going to learn a lot from Carissa today. So welcome. We are so glad to have you on the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with everyone. We are excited too. You have been a good friend of scrapbook.coms for many years now. And so we're anxious to just kind of get to know you a little bit better and then hear all about what you're going to share with us today around ink blending. Yeah, I have a lot of great tips to share. And I'm hoping that everybody walks away with a little something that they didn't know before that maybe takes their ink blending game to the next level, because I know it's something that people struggle with. And I came up with five of my top tips. I probably could have come up with 15 more, but we're going to, we're going to throw a few of those extras into those five. So you're going to get more than five tips here, but um, I think you're going to walk away with a little more knowledge and a little more comfort when it comes to ink blending. Ah, I'm so excited. We're excited to just jump in. So thank you. Well, before we do that, let's just get to know you a little bit more. For some of our listeners who maybe haven't seen your work before, like let's just start at the beginning. How did you get into crafting and end up in this industry? Well, I started out actually as a scrapbooker. When my son was born, I have three children, as you mentioned. They are not babies anymore. I actually have one that's married one that's in college and a senior in high school, if you can believe that. So I'm almost an empty nester, which is crazy. But (laughs) when my son was born, our husbands played basketball and the girls needed something to do on basketball night. So I started a little scrapbooking group for all of us to get together. And we started scrapbooking and I love scrapbooking. I love telling the story But I was struggling really with completing projects because they felt so overwhelming to me. And I found card making and the projects were small, manageable. And I found that I really loved that I could sit down in one session, complete a project and just be done with it. And I didn't have to worry about the perfect picture or something like that. It was just a really free creative process for me. I didn't feel as many like restrictions and as much confinement or maybe the pressures that we put on ourselves as crafters that I found in scrapbooking. And then it was something that I really could share with others. And so it was something that at the end I would give it away. And then I got to see the joy on somebody else's face when they received it. So I I just really fell in love with the card making process. And it just kind of went from there. I went from finding the joy in the process, and then finding joy in sharing with others, and really empowering them to feel like they can do it too. So it's really when you break it down into steps, 
it's not about talent. It's not about creativity. It's just taking those projects step by step and coming to the end with a completed project. So you don't have to have like this overwhelming creative ability. You just have to be able to follow the steps. And so I really online, I love to share. This is my step-by-step process. Look, this is where I messed up. This is how I fixed it. And so that's really where I've just kind of found my place online and in the card making world. That is neat. And you have inspired so many with the work that you do on YouTube and also the classes you've done for scrapbook.com. You make it like I'm the type who I love to be inspired by other people, like to get ideas, to get those juices flowing. And that's exactly what you provide to so many people. So it's neat. I agree with you on the card making. It's like you're, you're doing a little art masterpiece and you are able to like start and finish it in a setting usually, you know, where you feel like, yeah. oh, I accomplished something. And it wasn't like I had to leave it all out all over. And so it was just kind of one of those things. Now it's evolved into an entire room in my house. And I've got cameras mounted on the ceiling. If we ever try to sell this house and someone tours it, they're going to be like, what (laughs) is that? And why is there a camera up there? (laughs) Overhead cameras. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I just went ahead and mounted it on the ceiling because that's the angle that most people need to see from anyway. And so I have a camera hanging from the ceiling. I love it. Well, you also hit on something that just reminds me, this is why we love our Cards for Kindness program so much, because like you said, as card makers, we love to make the cards, but we also, it brings us joy giving them to someone and they have joy receiving those cards as well. And so yeah, the card making industry, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I actually, I created a card for the Cards for Kindness event this past year. Yes, you did. Tell us a little bit about that. I created an easel card. I wish I would have had it here. I didn't even think to have it here, but I created a rainbow themed easel card. So it's designed where you can um, stand it up on your desk and the person can display it on their desk easily. It's got a secret little hidden message inside. It's got glitter, which we all know I love. So So beautiful. It's a really fun card. Well, we can get a picture of it and we can put that in the show notes so people can see that. Let's jump in then when you talk about ink blending and and you've done a couple of classes here, like we said, a couple of different classes, one all about die cutting, which it's so in depth. And we were talking earlier, it took you like two days to film that because you had so much content. So tell us just a little snippet of that so that people can go and watch that if that's something they're interested in. That class was one of the biggest classes I've ever done. And that's because we cover um, both digital die cut machines and your standard manual die cut machines. So we covered all of the different machines that were available on the market. And we talk about basics, how to use them, how to emboss with them. And we literally spent two full, I think, eight or nine hour days in the studio filming that. And then I literally ran to jump on my plane after it was the craziest thing. We were like, am I going to make my flight? Because I, it was just so much content to pack into two days. And at that time, um, scrapbook.com was at its previous location. Yes. And they've since upgraded their studio, but then we had audio things where like motorcycles would drive by. So we'd have to stop and wait for the traffic (laughs) to die down so that we could continue recording. Um, But I had a lot of fun. And that was the first time for me really being in a studio recording like that. I had a great time. And um, I, I decided to come back a little bit later and do another card 
or a card making class for scrapbook.com. Yes, that was an amazing one. It was called 15 Cards with One Stamp Set. And again, talk about inspiration. You took our stamp set that has just our, our great sayings on it that everybody needs, thanks and happy birthday and all of those. And you created shaker cards. You did an ombre card. And then you you did a whole segment on this ink blending too. So if people want more information, they can go and watch that. But I, yeah, you're totally what I need is that inspiration on just <laughs> ideas on how to take the same stamp and like use it a million different ways. So you're great at that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you think you have to have a ton of things um, when really you just, you need a couple of things. And I find that if I will limit myself creatively, I sit down instead of having my entire craft room at my disposal, I'll sit down and say, I'm going to use these two stamp sets, this die set, and I'm going to use, and I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to, you will find that as you start to create, you will think of more things that you can do. And it just starts to build on itself. And you really, you can come out of a crafting session and have five or six things with just a few products. You don't have to have 15 different stamp sets to create 15 different cards. That's so true. And sometimes just simplifying makes it easier. One of the tips that I love that you shared in that class, you took a sentiment stamp and it was in the shape of a circle. And instead mm -hmm. of using the sentiment part of the stamp, you flipped it over and used the circle to create like a background on your card. I thought that's genius. Why haven't I thought of that before? So, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I love to do that. I actually, a lot of people like to swatch their inks. Mm -hmm. I actually use a, it's like a small little pattern stamp that's meant for like a background. I flip it over. I use the backside and I create this solid kind of um, paint chip like ink swatch for my inks with the backside of a stamp. And it is the backside of a stamp. That's what I use for all of my ink swatching and they turn out great. Super smart. Yeah. Can we get a photo of that one as well for the show notes? Absolutely. Because I've seen Absolutely. some of your swatches and they're beautiful. So well, again, thank you. inspiration everywhere. <laughs> well, let's jump in then. You talk a lot in that class about the ink blending and you're, you're kind of a pro with this, not kind of, you are a pro with the ink blending. You create beautiful cards with this. So where do we start with ink blending? What's your first tip for us? Well, I think first of all, you have to decide on your tool. And there are so many tools out there that I think people get overwhelmed. And so I'm going to break it down into two basic types of tools, okay. and they're going to fall into categories. We're going to talk about which type of ink blending you will want to do with each tool, and we'll look at a couple of the tools. Now, the first tool is an ink blending brush, and I have several different types here, and I think this is where a lot of the confusion comes in. I have... I have a million of these things. You can see these ones with the white bristles have not been used yet. And um, we will talk about that because you don't want to use them like this. <laughs> this is not going to be your friend. Okay. okay. There's also, um, so these are on a handle. There's like a little smaller one. This is from Altenew. There are different sizes. And I have a lot of these different types of brushes and I, I do use them all. Um, an ink blending brush is going to give you a softer lay down of ink than another type of blending tool. So the other type of blending tool would be like a dauber or a 
our traditional kind of wood handled ink blending tool, like the scrapbook.com domed ink blending mm-hmm. tool here that I have. So and let me let me just interrupt. I apologize, but we are doing no this problem. on a video as well. So if, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can go to our YouTube scrapbook.com channel and you'll be able to see this video as well so that you can see which tools Carissa is holding up as she's speaking. So, okay. Yeah. So this one I would classify as more of like a foam ink blending tool. Mm-hmm. And then these would be blending brushes. Okay. So two types here. Now, I think where people get confused is that there's a ton of different kind of brushes, but you just have to think of all brushes kind of in the same category. They're going to give you a little bit lighter touch with your ink blending. So if you're going soft and dreamy, an ink blending brush is probably where you want to go. Brush over foam, right? Brush over foam for that. If you want lots of color, lots of intense color, you're going to want to use a foam type blending tool. This is going to give you a lot more saturation on your paper. You're going to get a lot more color lay down more quickly with this. Now, that's not to say that you can't use both of these on the same project because you may have an area of your ink blending where you want it to be super dark and saturated, but then you want it to blend into a lighter color scheme. So you can start with your foam ink blending tool. These domed ones are great because they kind of minimize those um, round edged, splotchy. Yeah, the hard edges. Yeah, hard edges that, that you can get when you're ink blending. And you can start with that darker saturation of color on the edge, move into an ink blending brush to kind of lighten it out and smooth it out and kind of fade into that white. So don't think that you are tied to one or the other. Now there are different sizes in ink blending brushes. And I think people are like, why do I need different sizes? Well, if you're working on a large project and you're going to cover a large area, you're not going to want to use, let me show you this little tiny (laughs) tiny. brush. Yes. (laughs) It will take you literally forever. So if you're working on something larger, You might want one of these larger kind of flat brushes from Altenew, or you may want one of these large blending brushes here from Picket Fence Studios or Catherine Pooler. Hero Arts has a nice larger size one here. These kind of, um, these kind of sizes right here, these middle sizes, these tend to be what I reach for the most. Okay. But there are some areas on maybe a stencil where I only want to add just a tiny bit of deeper color. And you're going to find that these smaller ink blending brushes, you're going to have a little more control over where your ink is going in the end. So it's really a matter of figure out how much ink you want to lay down first. If you want intense ink, reach for your foam. If you want a light wash of color, reach for your brush. Then you can kind of decide from there what size you need. Now, there's not a lot of sizes in an ink blending foam. So you're kind of stuck with it. But the beauty of it is it lays down ink fast. So you're not going to be working in an area for a long time. You're going to be able to cover a lot of area with a lot of ink quickly. Well, and we we do have those finger um Yes, finger foam daubers as well. Which, they're actually yes. right up behind me. I yes. don't know if you can see them. Those are my scrapbook.com finger daubers. 
So those are another foam. So they are a little bit smaller if you're getting into tighter spaces or maybe you just want to do the edge of a die cut or something. Those are great as well. And I have mine all inked up on display and all the different scrapbook.com ink colors up there. So um, they're really cute on the shelf too. (laughs) They are cute. Good decoration. Okay. So the tool is the most important. You've got to be using the right one, the right um, material and the right size. Yes. Right. You're not going to use a Phillips head screwdriver for a flathead screw. You just don't. Well, maybe you do it. I don't do it. (laughs) Number one, I don't really screw anything anyway. (laughs) I'm calling somebody else for that. But you get what I'm saying. It's always a matter of the right tool for the job. And having the right tool makes your job easier. But let's go back to these ink blending tools. And let's talk about, this is still finding your tool. But we talked about earlier, this is not inked up at all. This is brand new out Mm -hmm. of the package. It's so beautiful. Look at that adorable color. Very clean. This is from Catherine Pooler. This is their larger size, by the way. You don't want to go directly to your project with a brand new tool. It is very key that you season your tool first. And, and what I mean that? by seasoning your tool is you're just going to take your tool. And you're going to get some ink on it because it's going to grab a lot of ink at first. Do you see how it's kind of unevenly inking? And you're going to end up on your project and have like a blob. So you just kind of want to season your ink pad, rub it around. Actually, I've heard on these foam inks, uh, ink pads, you're not supposed to rub. You're supposed to tap. So save your ink pad. Don't worry. I will get a new one if I mess it up. (laughs) But do as I say, not as I do. So tap, 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 get it inked up kind of tap it on your work surface. If you're working on a glass surface or on a scrap piece of paper, get these tools seasoned, just like you do with a pan, um, new pan set, you Mm -hmm. kind of put the oil in there, you heat it up on the, on the stove a little bit before you use it. Think of that, this process as the same, you're kind of seasoning your tool, you're getting it ready to use. And I like to have one brush for each kind of color family. So I'll have a brush for my pinks. I'll have a brush for my reds, yellows. You don't have to do that. You can absolutely clean in between, but it makes it quick if I just know. And these white bristle brushes, I can tell really easily what color family this goes to because it's got pink ink on it and I can see that right on those white bristles. So just get them seasoned. Okay. How do you clean them? What do you use to clean them with? You can use like a gentle baby soap and um, kind of um, like a silicone. They do have silicone pads that you would just kind of do some warm water and some baby soap and kind of rub it around on there. And that would kind of clean it off. If you need to do a quick cleaning, say you're working on a project, I'm using a light pink and I'm going to a dark pink and then I want to go back to my light pink. You can take a baby wipe and just kind of not a real saturated baby wipe, but like a damp baby wipe and Mm -hmm. kind of rub it across the surface or a microfiber cloth, I find, and just kind of work off some of that extra dark ink before I go back into my lighter ink. So super easy to clean. Truth be told, I don't clean my brushes. Yeah. (laughs) You kind of have one for each color. Well, it's kind of like those, um, do you you ever use those baking stones that like you use them and you use them and you use them and they just get better with time, like the more stuff they have on them? That's kind of like these brushes, just 
think of it, the more seasoned that they are, I think the better results you're going to have with them in the end. You're going to be happier with them. That's great. Great tip. Okay. So moving into your next tip all about the paper, and that really does matter as well, right? When you're ink blending? Paper matters. And I have to say that in a lot of paper crafting, we think we can use just whatever paper. You don't always get the right results if you're just using random paper sometimes. I mean, you can go and get the most inexpensive white cardstock that you can find. I guarantee it's not going to stamp as well. I guarantee it's not going to foil as well. I guarantee it's not going to blend as well. Paper matters in that the smoother the surface for ink blending that you're starting with, the smoother the blend you're going to get down in that lay down of ink. So it's kind of like painting a wall. You know, if the wall starts out bumpy, there may be areas where that paint kind of grabs more in places than in others. Sure. That's kind of the same thing. You kind of want to start with a really smooth paper. So the smoother, the better. More tooth in a paper means you're going to have more opportunities for this brush to either miss kind of a divot that might be in your paper or kind of grab on those high points. So a smooth and even sometimes a coated surface can be really good. So um, I find that a Bristol paper sometimes that has just like a smooth coating on it can be a really good hack or trick for ink blending because it kind of allows the ink to kind of glide on the surface a little bit more before it soaks in. Before it absorbs. So paper matters. that's, That's really important. And paper matters in die cutting. If you're getting a lot of like extra little hairs on your die cutting and stuff like that, it might be your paper. It might not be your die. And I found even more so with like foiling. Have you noticed how much foiling is out there? Which by the way, you can ink blend over foiling. It makes for a great resist. I love to do that. But um, paper matters in foiling as well. The smoother the surface the better lay down of that material that you're going to get. They're just going to kiss and be happy. <laughs> Do you have a favorite go-to paper that you love the best? I um, actually, I've been using Nina a lot. I find pretty decent results on the Nina solar white card stocks for mm-hmm. blending. Um, I've recently tried one from hammer mill. That's a little bit smoother that I'm really liking. And it's not like, it's the great thing is it stamps well, it takes foil well, it ink blends well, but it's not on the super expensive end. So, you know, kind of play with your paper. So I would just say, if you're not getting the results that you're looking for, maybe it's not you, maybe it's not your tool, maybe it's your paper. So there's a lot of things that go into a recipe to make something work. And paper is one of those elements. And I think sometimes we just disregard it as Mm -hmm. every paper is equal and it's really not. So just keep that in mind. It's a key ingredient to that recipe. It's a key ingredient. Yeah. Really good tip. Absolutely. All right. So number three, let's talk about building color when you're ink blending. Well, this is something that not a lot of people think about when they're ink blending. They they automatically start with a piece of white cardstock and they go from there. But if you want to build a lot of color when you're ink blending, start with a colored cardstock. 
Now here is, I'm going to show you this and I'm not going to show you it in action. I'm going to show you what I did right before we got on here to, okay. to chat today. And I knew I wanted to create a blue background. Now I'm going to show you this here first. So this is a nice light blue cardstock. I wanted a dark blue kind of background that I could create with. This is what I did with that light blue cardstock. Wow. By starting with a colored base, I didn't have to worry about this area so much. And this again is an example of two different blending tools in action. So you can see around this outer edge here, I have this nice dark saturated navy blue color. Then it kind of blends up. I allowed the lightness of this cardstock just kind of, I just swept over with a with a blending brush in this area mm -hmm. just to kind of bring it into the same tone. But if I was trying to build this from white cardstock, this would take forever to build up all this color. Instead, right. I started with a lighter tone in the same color family and just built up that ink on that colored base. And it is a great way to build color quickly. So smart. Now, this is an example where like I said, I use the foam on the edges to get a lot of deep, dark, saturated color. And then as I moved up to where it's getting a little bit lighter, I, I switched to a blending brush. So you don't always have to start with a white cardstock. If you're blending something that you want to be a nice red, maybe you start with a pink cardstock. Mm -hmm. If you want it to be like a golden yellow, maybe you can start with like a really light yellow just to give the cardstock that base of color. So you're not trying to build all the color from just ink. So yeah. it's a really great way to quickly make a blended background. And I could bring in some teal blues and it would blend over this light blue cardstock well also. But this, this kind of looks like I used maybe, maybe two or three different blues. This is one ink color right here. Wow. Yeah. And it just depends again on the tool that you're using and how much ink is going in. But I love that tip. It looks like a beautiful ombre of, of blues on there. That's amazing. Yeah. And I have the blue fingers to prove it. <laughs> They're fresh. <laughs> they fresh are blue fresh. Ink on there. <laughs> that is funny. That's a great tip. Um, all right. Number four, you talk about trying to ink blend with a stencil. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. So I think um, a great place to start when you want to cover a large area with ink blending, that can be really tricky. So to build your confidence when it comes to ink blending, try blending through a stencil. Stencils tend to be a little more forgiving in that there's only small areas of that blending that you're actually going to see coming through. So if for some reason you do get a large blob some of that blob of ink is going to go onto the stencil and some of it's going to go through to the paper. So you won't get like these big circle or brush shaped areas where maybe you forgot to tap off your tool before you take it to the paper. Stencils are a great way to kind of create a multicolored pattern, but they also give us a little forgiveness. The other great thing about a stencil is in that area, in the solid area of the stencil, your tool, whatever tool you're going to use is going to blend across that really well. So you can kind of start off of the, off of the pattern and kind of work into the pattern instead of going straight into this big open piece of paper where you're kind of yes. like, and then you have, you know, we have all the thing that all of us are trying to avoid all the time when it comes to ink blending is all that 
yeah. right there in the middle <laughs> of the cardstock. And I have definitely had that. If you're having a hard time blending an entire panel, stop trying to build a panel. Go and, and grab a stencil and, and allow your confidence to kind of build with that. And then and then go back to trying to, to blend that entire panel. I think you're going to find that it kind of helps you kind of get that ink blended look that you're going for and kind of apply that kind of pressure and and idea to a full panel and kind of get get what you're going for. You can kind of get areas where your colors will overlap and kind of understand how those colors are going to play together on a full panel. But a stencil can be a great way to kind of build your confidence, get an ink blended look and kind of avoid those large areas of of, you know, like yeah. we talked about. <laughs> I mean, what's the word for that? I don't know. A blob. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the splotchiness. I don't know. Or, yeah. yeah. Something I didn't mention with the brushes and um, is that if you are having a lot of areas where you're kind of getting those blobs or splotches, try adjusting your grip on the brush. So if you're grabbing the brush up here, you're automatically going to have more hand pressure on it. For those that aren't are just listening, you're you're grabbing right up by the brush instead of at the yeah. end of the handle. Yeah. Even at the head. So if I'm grabbing at the head of the brush, I'm grabbing at the top of the brush where the bristles are, I'm automatically going to have more hand pressure. That's automatically going to lend itself to a heavier ink coverage and possibly sure. those blobs. So if you're going for a lighter one, move your hand back on this handle and grab at the ends, like the end of a paintbrush. That's yes. kind of what you're thinking about. That's going to automatically lighten your pressure on the brush because you can't get as much downward force when you're holding it towards the end of that brush handle rather than up on the, on the head. So even if you're wanting to build different areas of color where some are dark and some are light, Maybe you start out with your light blending with your grip at the end of the handle of the brush. And then as you want to build more color, you move your grip up towards the bristles or the head of the brush. So That's just something I thought tip. I'd mention there. I love that tip. When you're doing a stencil, do you typically grab a brush or do you like the domed foam blender or what is your go-to? I am, I'm going to tell you, I'm partial to brushes. I really am. I probably have five different brands in my craft room right now. And you don't need five different brands. I'm going to tell you that most of them that I've tried work pretty comparably. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes you might um, like the aesthetic of the cute mint green handles or something like that. Or maybe you like the white bristles on the brush so that you can tell what color family it belongs to. Or maybe you don't like to see them get all stained up and so you want something with a darker brown bristle. Those are all options. I'm, I lean towards brushes, but there's definitely a time and a purpose for all the tools. So, sure. I mean, okay. they're, they're all in my room. Nothing gets left behind. They all get <laughs> used. And I think, I think that um, if you're kind of on the fence and you don't know, Maybe you buy just a four pack of brushes. So you have a few and a, a, a two pack of the foam blending yeah. tools like the scrapbook.com domed foam here. This comes with a few extra foam tips. So you can just change between your colors easily. You just take the foam off of this Velcro area here and you can change between colors very easily. 
and you can try a couple of them. Some people really love the foam for everything. Mm -hmm. I just tend to have a really heavy hand. And so I find more success with a brush because for whatever reason, a light hand just isn't, it's kind of like light packing for me. I can't do it on a trip. I can't do a light hand and ink blending. So the, the brushes have been a real game changer for me when it comes to ink blending. Okay. A little bit more forgiving. Yeah. All right. Really good insight. Um, all right. Our fifth, our fifth tip, we're going to talk about inks. Let's talk about the ones that you, you love and they all again, serve a different purpose, right? Exactly. And you know, I'm going to tell you that just like we talked about the recipe earlier, there are, there are just so many different things that go into this. So if you've changed your paper, you have a really smooth paper, maybe you've changed to a brush over a foam or a foam over a brush, whatever it is, you found your tool, you're still not getting the results you're quite looking for. Try changing up your ink and see what that does for you. Um, some of my favorites for ink blending are going to be our good old handy dandy distress inks. I have them in the ink cubes here that I'm showing. Um, you don't need a full size ink pad to ink blend. You can absolutely use cubes. I've gone and just kept the ink cubes for the traditional distress ink in my craft room. Mm -hmm. Another great, now let me go back to this. What makes a dye ink great for blending is if they're slow drying. And we okay. know that the Distress inks are meant and designed and formulated to be slow drying. The reason that's going to give you a better ink blend is that it's going to give it more time to move on the surface of the paper before the paper grabs it and soaks it in and locks it into place. Okay. So anything that is a dye ink, you can blend with anything. Your results just may be different. But anything that's a slow drying dye ink is probably going to be a good bet for ink blending. And as you build your confidence with these slower drying distress inks, you can maybe move into your more faster drying dye inks. Okay. So another one that's great for ink blending is distress oxide inks. And what makes these great for ink blending is these have a dye and pigment hybrid design or formulation. Design is not the word. <laughs> formulation is the word. Why does that make, why is that important? Well, once again, it makes it kind of a slower drying ink. Now, a pigment ink, if you know anything about inks at all, a dye ink will soak into the paper and actually dye the fibers of the paper. A pigment ink is actually a pigment that sits on top of the paper. And the Distress Oxide combines both of these. So you have that pigment ink that's gonna kinda stay on the surface of the paper. It's not gonna soak into those fibers and grab right away. And then you have that slower drying dye ink in there too which is going to just give you a little more time and a little more forgiveness when you go to blend inks. Now I have a lot of pinks out here today because pink, I'm just a, I'm just a girl who loves pink. I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> some girls are pink girls. Some girls are purple girls. Some girl, girls are teal girls. And maybe you're a gray girl, but I'm a pink girl. That's just, you know, so I have all my pinks out here. But you really can blend with any dye ink. Like I said, your results just may be a little different. 
Now, a couple of the other inks that I really like to blend with, I've found success with, are the Catherine Pooler dye inks. Once again, these dye inks are meant to dry more slowly. You can kind of test that on your own, you know, how quickly does my dye ink dry by stamping it and seeing if you can put some embossing powder over it and have it stick. If it's going to stick for, you know, you know, a few seconds, like if you can stamp with a dye ink, put some embossing powder over it and it's giving you some pretty good coverage, uh -huh. you can bet it's probably a slower drying dye ink. And so, okay. you know, you may have success with that as an ink blending ink. So Catherine Pooler inks are really good. Pink Fresh, Hero Arts, they all make great dye inks too. These are kind of formulated to kind of dry back and kind of smooth out as they dry. So Hero Arts and Pink Fresh. So those kind of, you may start out with an ink blended panel where there's a couple blotchy areas, but you'll find that as it dries back, it kind of smooths out magically. It's just something magic in their ink. It's uh -huh. kind of like when you stamp it and it kind of dries back and it kind of smooths out over time. That That's a really great dye ink to try. And then there's things like the Hero Arts Reactive inks. Once again, kind of a hybrid ink that may give you some, some really good blending results as well. So really, like I said, try it with any ink that you have. Hybrid inks, scrapbook.com has hybrid inks. Those work well for ink blending as well. And like I said, it's because of that hybrid property that kind of allows it to kind of dry a little more slowly. That you're going to get a lot better results in the end. So try it with whatever you have. If you're not getting the results that you want, then maybe just try a different ink. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's not your tool. Maybe it's not your paper, but maybe it's your ink. So, That's I mean, so like I said, good. There's a lot of things in this recipe, right, that we can tweak just a little bit to get better results. So I think if you kind of combine them all together, it's almost like magic happens. Absolutely. Well, you just, I'm, I'm like just in awe hearing you explain these inks. That makes so much sense to me. I've not heard it explained that way. So I appreciate that. And yes, like you said, like I'm anxious to now go back, try different papers, try different inks, try different tools and see which one, you know, works the best. Because I think we do that sometimes. Like you said, even with a die cut, you cut it out and you're like, eh, it's not great. It could be the paper, you know? So right. all of these different um, ingredients that we need to make the perfect recipe, it's, it's great just to try these out and I love the tips that you have shared so thank you absolutely and don't forget adjusting that grip on your brush or even yes. your ink blending foamed ink blending tool can make a difference too so it's kind I think once you learn your recipe it's like you know everybody's grandma has a recipe for mm -hmm. chocolate chip cookies or, or whatever and everybody's grandma did it just slightly different than you know my best friend's grandma did it slightly different than my grandma you kind of develop your own recipe over time. You will figure out what works for you and your, your maybe you have a heavy hand like me. And so maybe the blending brush is, is what you need to kind of kick it up to the next level. But mm -hmm. you'll kind of figure out your recipe and it'll be a solid go-to that you can go to every time and get great results. But don't give up. I think that's the thing that a lot of people do I think they try it once and it doesn't turn out the way that they had yes. envisioned it. And it's not even something that you have to throw away. You can die cut that panel and use it still, but keep trying, 
tweak your recipe a little bit until you find your own perfect recipe. And then I think you're going to be an ink blending genius. <laughs> ah, I love it. I think so. You've just inspired me again. Yes. I think all of those <laughs> tips are great. And we just need to play. We just need to practice and, and not give up if we don't get a, res, you know, the result we're wanting after the first or second try, just kind of keep playing with it. So good advice. Yeah, for you sure. know, I think that as crafters, we feel the pressure every time we enter our creative space, wherever that is, if it's a desk in your um, living room, if it's your kitchen table, wherever you create, we feel the pressure to come out with a finished project. We need to allow ourselves time to play. Yes. There is a lot of learning that happens when you just go and you just play. And no I'm going to sit down, right? No pressure. I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to create anything today. I'm just going to try different inks with this new blending brush that I got. Or I'm just going to try different papers and see how they react with the types of ink that I'm using today. Allow that time for free play and you will learn far more from that than any class that you can take online. Really, really great advice. I love it. Thank you, Carissa. Absolutely. So many great, great takeaways. Anything that you've, you've, any last tip before we close or have we covered everything? I, you know, I would just, I would just go back to don't give up. This is not something beyond you. Um, I am not, I am not an expert because I, you know, I'm magically more creative or God just automatically created me that way. I think that you become an expert through trial and error. I've failed many times and don't give up. Just keep going at it until you get the results that you want and, and learn in those moments of failure. I think that is yeah. what I could just encourage you to do. Figure out what didn't work from it. Figure out why. Maybe I went in with a heavy hand. Maybe it was the wrong tool for the job. Figure out what it was. Try it again. Don't give up and just learn from your mistakes. I mean, that's all of life, right? I mean, it really, is. when it comes yes. down to it. And and crafting should be fun for us, right? Sometimes we, again, put too much pressure on ourselves to make it perfect. Absolutely. And we don't need to. Not, it's an outlet. Yeah, and not everything has to be magazine perfect. I mean, yep. it. you know, I, I can't tell... When I look at a project that I've created, I see all of its flaws because I know what I know where they are, right? Because mm -hmm. I created that. P other people looking at your projects aren't noticing like that you were talking and a little spit bubble got onto your ink blending and there's a little <laughs> <laughs> no one else lighter dot there. Right. I, I would know that it was there. Maybe I yelled at my dog for barking <laughs> or something and and you know. So I, I would just I would just encourage you to keep trying. Don't give up. Allow yourself that playtime, that 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 place for just creative outlet with no pressures and no boundaries and no expectation at the end of it. Yes. Give ourselves some grace for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all of those tips. We always do close with a certain question that we ask our guests, which is, what is one of the most meaningful handmade gifts that you've ever received? You know, I wish I still had this when I think about it. My aunt was an amazing handmade gift giver. I remember, I 
she didn't have a lot of money. And so a lot of the things that she made were handmade, but they were from the heart. And those were amazing things. But one year for Christmas, and I don't even think I really appreciated it that year, but going back, I wish I had it. She did a hand painted Santa mug for me. And it'd probably be worth like 50 bucks now because, you know, it'd be vintage. Um, (laughs) But I remember that. And I remember just the joy of using it and knowing that she had created it for me. And it wasn't, my brothers got one too, but no two were exactly alike because they were handmade. And I really wish I still had that. I don't. But um, that was one of the most meaningful gifts. And that same aunt um, actually made, you know, prom dresses for me and everything. So she had, she didn't have money to give, but she had so much talent and so much heart that went into it. And she developed her craft and her trade and, and, and it blessed other people. And it was amazing to see that. Oh, yeah, that's so beautiful. Those handmade gifts, there's nothing like them, right? It's true. It's true. And I love that a handmade card is always just, I I mean, even if I throw a gift card in it and I didn't have time to purchase an extravagant gift, there's a little piece of me in everything that I give that's handmade. So I love that. Well, thank you, Krista, for spending time with us today. Seriously, I could sit here and listen to you for hours. You've got so (laughs) much information to share with us. Um, Where can people find you online? I am at sprinkledwithglitter.com or you can find me and over on sprinkledwithglitter.com. You can find my Instagram, my YouTube and all that. But I'm also on YouTube as Carissa Wiley. So Carissa is one R and two S's and W-I-L-E-Y is uh, my YouTube. I'm also Carissa Wiley on Instagram and I share projects and inspiration there. And I share a little peek into my personal life through my Instagram stories. So you get to see peeks of my kids and my husband and my dog and, you know, all of those things. So um, I love sharing little bits of my life with everybody, the good, the bad and the ugly. Well, no, you have so much to share with us. So again, you're going to want to go and follow her and watch all of her amazing demonstrations and videos online. So thank you, Carissa, again, for joining us today. Thank you. I am so glad you had me and I can't wait to be back in your studio soon. Thank you so much again for chatting with us today, Carissa. So many great tips and pieces of advice. If you want to know more about the items we discussed today, visit our show notes at scrapbook.com slash podcast. You can also shop scrapbook.com where you can find over 40,000 unique items and it's the number one online store for paper crafters. When you shop at scrapbook.com, you'll enjoy award-winning customer service, great prices, a huge selection of products, and super fast shipping. You'll also benefit from nearly 200,000 real product reviews from crafters like you. You'll find endless inspiration and meaningful connection in the scrapbook.com forum and gallery, and you can even take free online classes too. Be sure to subscribe to the Life Handmade podcast in your favorite app and enjoy our other episodes. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast as it will help other crafters like you to find it, and we may even read yours on an upcoming episode. Like user Alice Scraps Wonderland, who writes, The perfect podcast for every paper crafter. I absolutely love listening to the Life Handmade podcast. Each episode is thought-provoking, and I enjoy hearing from all the guests. 
I also love learning all the great tips and tricks that are shared. It's the perfect podcast to listen to while paper crafting or while relaxing. And even though I'm not part of the conversation, I feel like I'm having coffee with friends chatting about something we all love. Thank you so much for your review, Adrian. And remember, happiness is life handmade. I drive doodles of eccentric faces in the margin space.